0: Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Hey, everyone. This is Matt Frazier with episode 17 of the No Meet Athlete Radio podcast. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Doug Hay. Doug, how are you today?
1: I'm great, Matt. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty well. My, very, very busy, uh, planning for the book tour and things like that. Yeah. And how about you? Feeling nice and fresh and relaxed off of the honeymoon?
1: Yeah, well, I was, but, uh, you know, reality hits pretty quickly, so right. back at back at work and back at in reality... And uh, busy as always, but I uh, had a great honeymoon, very relaxing, and uh, really recommend that everybody do that from time to time.
0: <laughs> yeah, take a honeymoon? Yeah. <laughs> get married? So anyway, uh, we have an exciting episode today, I think. It is about a topic that, uh, a question that I get asked all the time. Uh, Doug, you probably do too. The question is, how do you find time to fit it all in, whatever it may be, and uh, in, in my case, When people ask me, it has generally been, you know, how do you write the blog, still train for races, have kids, you know, do the extra time that's required to cook vegan food because it does take slightly more time. Mm -hmm. Um, But that, you know, whatever it is, how do you find the time, can be be whatever. I mean, whatever it is that you do. Uh, Triathlon training is a really good example because that one takes really long uh, just because you need to train all three sports. Neither of us has done a triathlon. I haven't done triathlon. Doug, have you done one? No, no, I have not. I didn't think so. But anyway, uh, the the tips that we will give you uh, you know, really are exactly what it is that we do. And it's something that I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about, but I think in a few years of, of doing all this, I have managed to get pretty good at it and do a whole lot of stuff. So I'm looking forward to this episode. Um, yeah, me as imagine. well. I think we'll talk. Uh, you know this one might be a little bit longer than usual. I don't really know, but it's one that I'm more excited about than the average podcast episode. so it may be a little bit longer, uh, which I realize is sort of ironic because it's about saving time <laughs> but uh, hopefully you can listen to it when you're running or driving yeah. or whatever it is that it's not you know you're not just sitting there listening to it.
1: but if you are then I, that's all right because you'll <laughs> learn something
0: <laughs> right, exactly and uh, anyway, that's I guess a good opportunity to intro what our podcast is about for people who are new to the show, uh, or new to no meat athlete.com in general, because there are a lot of new people coming in these days with the book and everything. Uh, so this is just basically the, the podcast arm of no meat athlete. The blog is kind of the main feature. The book is coming out. There's a book, no meat athlete, uh, that gets released October 1st. And the podcast is a sort of little sideshow that we do, um, just because a lot of people like to listen rather than read. And we've gotten a lot of really good feedback recently from uh, Twitter and Facebook. It's it's just like, it's always hard for me to tell if people are listening to the podcast because people don't comment and interact with it the way they do with a blog post. But uh, there's been a a lot of people just say, you know, I love your podcast. It makes my day when you guys put out a new one. So that's always really nice to hear. And uh, for people who are that into the show, by all means, please go give us a review and rating on iTunes because... That really tells us that you like the show, and kind of gives us incentive to, to keep doing it, because like, we know that you know the more you do things like that, the, the wider the audience the show will reach, and the more reason for us to do it.
1: Sure, yeah, it's been kind of it's been fun recently. I've noticed uh, an increase in number of people kind of commenting on uh, on the podcast and telling us that they've listened, and you know some people mentioned it before they mentioned the blog, which is kind of neat that people are um, enjoying it and uh, and getting something out of it.
0: Yeah, it is and we've been somewhat delinquent I and mean, we're kind of slowing down in the rate that we do them which is has nothing to do with you know wanting to do that as much as just not having time uh, and that brings me to the next topic which is the book and uh, for those who don't know I have a book coming out as I mentioned it's October 1st which will really be right after this podcast gets gets published um, and then I'm going to be doing a tour with it to support the book so I have about 40 different cities where I'm going to be going and talking and running and uh, just doing all sorts of things like that, hanging out with readers, I hope, and listeners. So that's been, as exciting as it is, has been a nightmare, I mean, as far as planning goes, because I've made the mistake of trying to do it myself rather than uh, like employing someone who's you know to actually do all of that. So it's been a lot, uh, for sure, which is why we haven't made a lot of podcasts in the past <laughs> few months. But we have done, we've kept it at like one a month, maybe slightly more, and I do hope that we can do it more often in the future. Yeah, and I think it's
1: going to be totally worth it. This tour is going to be a really great way for you to interact with people, and um, I know that I'm going to join you for a few of the stops, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I it ho- is. Hopefully I mean, we can do some podcasts, too, while we're, while we're together.
0: I, I didn't even think of that, but, yeah, we certainly could do that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, th- there are a lot of people who are kind of joining me for different spots of it, so when you come to an event, there's a good chance that someone else will be there who you've heard of from me linking to them or situation like Doug where you hear, heard him on the podcast. So yeah, it is going to be really fun. I can't wait for it to actually start just because once it starts, it's like I, I can't really do that much more planning of it. <laughs> and now I'll be kind of, you know, it, it'll be, I think honestly, it'll, it will get easier once it has started just because it, right now it's been so much work. But in, in a good way, I guess. But anyway, um, about the book, I mentioned that it comes out soon. What I wanted to do, and because... We hadn't said this on the podcast yet, and I'm sure there are people who listen to the podcast but don't read the blog just because they subscribe in iTunes or whatever. Um, So I'm running like a pre-order kind of special to encourage people to pre-order the book, uh, which is good because it helps bookstores decide that this book is something that's worth buying and stocking and trying to sell. So what the deal is, is if you uh, order before October 1st, and actually I'm going to extend this for podcasts because, you know, because if people haven't... Like some people may not hear the show until a few days after we publish it, which is pretty much when the pre-order period ends, uh, October first. So if you if you forward me a, a receipt of a of a an ordered copy of the book or even a PDF of a scanned copy from an in-store book purchase, um, you know send me that by the end of the week the book comes out, which would be, let's say Friday the fourth. Uh, if you do that, Friday October fourth, if you send me it before then, I'll send you the bonuses that are part of this pre-order offer. And I think they're really good. Um, let me just read them really quick off here, if I can find them on the page. The page, by the way, is no com slash book dash info. And uh, so what you get, the big kind of prize, I think, is private access to these three live webinars that I'm going to do where we'll kind of go into the different areas of the book and just go deeper than the book can get in some ways. I mean, it, they'll probably be an hour each or so, and I'll be able to answer questions, so it's kind of can be more specific um, than the book can be, of course, to your particular situations. So that's a big one. There'll be three of those, uh, probably one every few weeks, sometime starting in like November. Uh, there's a new ebook that's coming out. It's all about these formula recipes like the smoothie formula, the energy bar formula, the veggie burger formula, and a bunch of brand new ones. There's a bunch of cut material that did not get into the book because in the last few days of producing the book, we had to cut it down by 10%. For some reason, that just came down from – above and that was what we had to do so 25 recipes got cut a bunch of a full chapter got cut and some nice good content about fitting plant-based diet into your lifestyle uh, that i thought was really good so i will be happy to be giving that out as part of this uh matt Rusigno, the co-author who is a registered dietitian and a vegan ultra endurance athlete himself uh, he and i are going to do a call about nutrition and we're going to record that it'll probably be about an hour long. And uh, we'll just include that with it. It'll kind of be like a podcast, but probably more intense, more in depth, uh, but you know, chock full of good nutrition information. Uh, prize number five, which you will, you know, all these will be included, uh, is the 26.2 mile training plan from Marathon Roadmap, which is my Marathon Roadmap training program that I sell on the site. Uh, because the book has 5K, 10K, and half marathon plans, but I wanted more advanced readers and listeners to be able to benefit somewhat from buying it. Uh, beyond just the recipes and nutrition stuff, which I think pretty much everyone will benefit from, uh, unless you've really thought a lot about all this sort of stuff. And finally, because you'll be pre-ordering a book, uh, rather than ordering it, say, live, like at a book tour event, uh, I'm going to send a signed full-color book plate. Book plate was a new term to me, but what it means is it's like this fancy sticker. It's full-color thing. It has my picture on it, which I'm sure you want badly. <laughs> um the you know like a book logo or something and and there's a spot for me to sign and write whatever like your name on there if you order or if you want me to write something else on there uh within reason don't don't tell me to write like i eat cows or something weird like that uh but you know anything you want within reason and uh, i'll send you that and you can stick it into the front cover of the book that's what that's what they're for if you really want my signature messing up your book but that's a different story so anyway that's uh that's all the good stuff i mean so that's a really good reason, I think, to order by October fourth, or buy it in a store by October fourth, and let me know. Um,
1: yeah, that's pretty sweet. There's a lot of good stuff there, and uh, it's not any more expensive to pre-order, right?
0: No, absolutely not. And I think you should get it just as fast or faster than if you would wait to the day it comes out uh, and order it yourself then. So, uh, with that, that's kind of it. Oh, the last thing was the in the the tour itself. This episode is going to be coming out on a Friday and the following day after that. Because I imagine Fridays when most of the people will listen to it. Uh, the next day, Saturday, is DC VegFest where Doug and I will both be, uh, Rich Roll speaking. So that's a good reason to come out to it if you're in the DC area. And then about exact, exactly a week later, we're going to do our, uh, our My No Meat Athlete book tour event in DC. Which will be kind of a weird one because we will have just run the Ragnar Relay a few days before. The, actually, no, that very day. That day. We, yeah, yeah, that day and the day before we will have been running the Ragnar Relay. Uh, I'm going to do something near 40 miles. And Doug, I think you're slated to do 35, 8, I, mean, I don't, do you know what it was? I think it was 36, something like that. 36. So, I don't know. We didn't know what time our team would finish. It could be as late as like 5 p.m. on the book tour day. So we didn't want to plan any, any, like, formal talk or anything like that or promise something and then show up as a zombie like caked in mud and (laughs) angry and cranky so what it is is just to hang out at a cause which sounds like a cool bar if you go to the uh book tour page that's nomeatathlete.com book-tour you will find all the dates including that one but uh yeah anyone else who's not uh in the dc area can check that out and see when i'll be near you and hopefully i will So anyway, come out to that stuff if you're in D.C., check out the tour page, and I think that pretty much concludes our little announcements and advertising section. Doug, do you have any ads you'd like to put into the show? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think
1: uh, think I'm ad-free today.
0: (laughs) Okay, excellent. Okay, so with that, let's get into the topic, which is finding time for doing whatever it is you want to do, and we're going to assume that that, for most people, is related to fitness and nutrition. But there are lots of other things, and what we're going to talk about can apply to many other things too. So, um, I guess the the very most important thing, and this is kind of a very very fundamental time management thing that that I heard. You know, I'm kind of into like the personal development nerdy stuff, and I heard it in uh, I think it was Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. you, you know that book, Doug Stephen Covey.
1: I do. I haven't read it, but I know. Okay. I know of it.
0: Yeah. yeah. So he he had this in there, and, and this was the first I'd heard of it, and uh, it, he didn't make it up. But it's it's a pretty well known thing. Um, if you were to write important and non important on like you know the side of a piece of paper, like important right above, non important, and then next to that, kind of at the top of the page, you write urgent and not urgent, and then you can draw lines and make a grid. Does that make sense, Doug? Yep. So you get you get your four squares. And you have the the activities that are important and urgent, important, not urgent, uh, urgent, not important, and not urgent, not important. right? So it's actually worth it to try to draw this little thing. Maybe I can find a link that I can link it to so you don't have to do that. But if you look at there, there's all kinds of stuff about it and and the key you know the reason the thing about this is like if you think about if you would just write a list of like what are the activities that I wish I had time to do in my life but I don't have time for almost always they will fit into that important but not urgent box because that's the stuff that we tend to procrastinate simply because it's not urgent right so what that's going to be of course in in our special case that we're talking about for some people is going to be running for others it's going to be getting their diet into some good condition whether that's uh, vegetarian or vegan or just healthy and the stuff that is really the total time waste and kind of what you know, like the low hanging fruit, as they say, the the way that's easy to improve very quickly, is by eliminating that stuff that is not urgent, not important. So, for me, that's like TV, uh, hanging out on Facebook, anything else that really doesn't do anything. Uh, it's just sort of your your thing that you go to when you're stressed as a way to you know kind of unwind, not in any really productive way, but just just kind of a um, I don't know like a crutch or a wasteful way, does that right. make sense? It does, um, yeah, so that's kind of like the the most fundamental thing I could think of that really underlies all this stuff. like people ask me how do you have time to do this stuff, and a huge answer is that I don't watch t v because I don't i actually ended up getting rid of it, and I don't really say this with any pride I mean I know a lot of people kind of brag about not watching t v and people who do watch t v kind of resent that, and like this right. isn't this isn't that at all like i'm I'm totally cool with with watching tv and sometimes i miss it like i really do miss that i don't have espn to watch monday night football and and i certainly watch it online sometimes too but when i got rid of that i realized that i was all of a sudden had like two hours more per day that i you know just kind of wasted in front of the tv and that's a lot i mean if you talk about usually having you know five to six hours after your work is done and your sleep is done and you know your chores are done like once chores meaning you know caring for your family not not like taking out your parents' trash or anything. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Um,
1: if you live at home, you might still have to do that.
0: (laughs) Right, true. So, like, if you're talking about that's kind of your baseline is five to six hours, then when you add two to that by not watching TV or not hanging out on Facebook or whatever your time-wasting habit is, you can, I mean, that's like a huge increase in the amount of time you have. So two hours a night may not seem like all that much, but when you think that all of a sudden you have 30% more free time, that's a lot. Yeah, I guess
1: one thing that I really struggle with, especially with TV, is and that's a great example. So uh, we got rid of cable a while ago, and um, which significantly cut up down on our TV viewing. But sometimes we'll still, you know, watch an hour a night or a couple hours a night of some show on Netflix or something like that, and um, and and that feels good. And it's not necessarily; it definitely would fall under the not important, not urgent section, but at the time, if I'm stressed or overwhelmed, you know, sometimes you just need a few hours to watch TV. And, um, you know, so at what point do you say that it is important or it is uh, productive?
0: Right. Um, and I don't have an, an answer to that, but, like, you, if that's something that you do with your wife now, uh, that's, you know, that might be something that's good. Like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing at all, and right. I don't know how to decide when it is, but I guess... I guess the point it is when, if there are things that you really want to do but you can't find the time to do them, or can't find the time to do them as much, then all I'm saying is like that's something to ask yourself. Like, don't say that's the default. I'm automatically going to watch these two hours of TV. Decide if if you want that TV time more than you want this other thing, and then I mean just realize that it is a source of time and it's it's a way you're choosing to spend time. And I think you know I think there are plenty of good uses of it. If it makes you laugh, if it makes you Whatever, whatever kind of shows you like to watch, and I think I think it has uses. I'm not saying it doesn't, and I'm not saying it's any better than like reading a book. It, I mean, it's, in some cases I would say it obviously is, but but not always. Same with Facebook. I mean, some people really like that for connecting with friends back home or from high school or family, and I'm not saying any of that's bad. I'm just saying it's a. You may not realize how much time you actually are putting into that. Right. So that and that kind of comes into another topic, which is the idea of of batching stuff like instead of if you really do want facebook in your life instead of checking it 200 times during the day which i honestly wouldn't be surprised if some people did check that often just because (laughs) you know we like do something and then we go back to our computer and check and then go do another important thing and then go back to our computer and check in if you just cut that out and actually did like half an hour of facebook at night you probably save time during the day because you're not stopping and restarting activities which is like a really big concept that is talked about all the time Four-hour work week was where I first read it, Tim Ferriss's book. Uh, mm-hmm. Not, I mean, not where I first read it, but where where yeah, I kind of really started reading about the extent of the damage caused yeah. Yeah. by stopping and starting and not being focused and trying to multitask instead of just focusing on one thing.
1: Right. So yeah, I think I think he even talks about tools, especially on the internet. If you're working, you know, if you're writing a blog post or something like that, where you can cut out all other websites, so you can't check Facebook and can't, you know get distracted by other things on the internet.
0: Right. There are those. And I've tried them. I've tried them with email, like to, to get my email to the point of not having it open all day, but instead just checking in a couple times a day. And I have been unsuccessful at that. Like no matter what I set up, I find a way to get around it. Like it's like not, <laughs> an, not secure enough to prevent me from somehow checking my email if that's what I'm intent on doing. Right. So, and that's definitely my like time wasting thing. Like whenever I do these exercises, that is my thing that I waste time in is, is leave my email open all day instead of just, going in and answering it maybe in like two half-hour sections per day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that, that is a uh, work in progress for me. Um, so a few other little general concepts here. They're not really in any order. These are just sort of random time management things that, that I've learned about or noticed. Uh, is the idea of must versus shoulds. Uh, a lot of people have all these things that they think they should do, like I, I should work out, I should eat better, I should uh, whatever, spend more time with my kids – I should read more, all these different shoulds. I should stop doing all these unproductive things. <clears throat> and then there's all these things that you must do. Like there are things that that you have made must in your life that you will not skip. Like someone who is you know a very dedicated runner, maybe someone who's right in the thick of marathon training and they're like totally into it, they're not injured, and they are just loving it. Like they make that run a must. So that that gets penciled into their schedule as like the unmovable things that you know you will not miss no matter what. And that you will – like if any appointments come up, you would say, no, I can't because I'm running during that hour instead of pushing it back and and like letting the appointment – whatever, replace the running. Right. So the question is how do you make things a must? Like how do you – and you can only have so many. I mean you can't have 100 musts during your day because you're not going to get them done. But pick the one or two things that that you really, really want to do and then make those things must. Like get yourself to the point where if it takes like writing down why you want to do it so much or writing down – What will happen if you don't do it? Like, what will your life be like in ten years if you haven't started eating healthy yet? Whatever you can do, and or like, if you want to go vegan or vegetarian, watch those animal cruelty shows, like uh, Earthlings. Like, if you watch that sort of stuff, that makes doing this, you know, for many people, it kind of makes it seem more like a must than a should. And and then all of a sudden, that's what that'll make them figure out how to do it. Right.
1: Yeah, I I realize this might not work for everybody, but um, you know, I just came off of a, of a run streak, a 400-something and something day, 440-day run streak. And what, the strategy I took when I decided I was going to do this was to make it a must, to, to just tell myself that it wasn't an option not to do it. And I was able to convince myself, you know, like I would about going to work or eating breakfast or something like that, that it was, there was no option for me to not go for a run. And it I could convince myself that um no matter what you know even if I had uh plans that evening or whatever, I would force myself to make time, get up earlier, run in the morning, or show up blade if I had to because I needed to get that run in and when I just dis- when at the point when I decided that it was no longer an option not to do it, then it just it took off all the pressure because it just you know I
0: just did it right, then it was just part of your day that you were doing, no matter what and then I mean where that you know that's this whole thing about making something a must that is not really even a time management topic. I mean that's like a how do you get yourself motivated topic. Sure. But it ties into time management in the sense that like once something becomes your must, then other things in your life are what you have to deal with time management for. Like like you get that running done or whatever it is you want to get done and then somewhere in the rest of your life and the rest of your hobbies or your time wasting or whatever, something in there is going to be shortened as a result of, of making sure you got your hour running or whatever so then so that's like kind of the time management it's setting these certain things that have to get done and then getting into the habit of doing them and we have an episode about habits if you want to look that one up uh, that would certainly go with this episode very nicely yeah um, what else do I have here I have the idea that when you turn a must into a should I mean sorry turn a should into a must it's kind of a difficult thing to do like it, it's it's hard to Get yourself to just start running. If you're so busy in your life and you think, I don't have time to start this. I just don't see where how I would start. What A lot of these things that you know are good for you in some way or another, when you actually do make the leap and just say, I'm going to start this and find a way to fit it in, you get all these benefits from them. And they're not immediate. But like with running, if you start running every day, you are going to have more energy for other things than you do – Currently, and maybe not immediately because immediately you might be wiped out if you're going too hard, but a month from now or two months from now, because you are running for half an hour every day, I would argue that you have more than a half hour's worth of extra energy to use in other, in other places. And I don't mean necessarily sleeping half hour less, which may be true, but you are more focused and you're better able to, you know, maybe you're better able to, maybe because the running gives you this sort of relaxation feeling with the endorphins, then sitting down to watch a TV show at the end of the night doesn't seem quite as appealing, and you'd rather go do something else that's on your list. So there are all kinds of benefits like that. Meditation is another really good one. If you just meditate for – some people it can be five or ten minutes a day. You get a lot of benefits, and it's not like – this isn't like woo-woo voodoo stuff. I mean it's it's been very clearly shown that that there, are, meditation does change your brain in some way. And I think it, for me it, it lessens anxiety throughout the day, and I think I'm just much more productive as a result so I can get – much more done in the day without just being distracted by any sort of anxiety about whatever, worrying about something in the future or whatever. Uh, so it's like a 10-minute investment that may pay off in a half hour or an hour worth of time.
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I'm coming home from work and I'm tired, the first thing I want to do is sit down and watch TV or read a book. something like That last thing I want to do is go for a run. But as soon as I go out and do that, I come home, I'm refocused, I'm more relaxed, and and I don't need to watch T V, you know, maybe I can work on the blog or, you know, do some other work, you know, something like that that I that I wouldn't have felt like I could do right after I got home from my day job.
0: Yep. And diet is actually another example of that. Uh, that was like the very first benefit I noticed just becoming vegetarian, not even vegan yet. And it's actually right when I started this blog. And I noticed that instead of being really tired after dinner and just like drinking a beer and going to bed or watching T V basically because I'd be so just out of energy. I actually then had the energy to stay up and work on the blog, and that was a big change for me. I felt, you know, at at 9 o'clock, I wasn't just ready to to wind down and be done. I could actually get in an hour of work, and back then, that was enough to get a blog post done. It's not Mm -hmm. not anymore, unfortunately, but uh, that's how I got it started. And I think I wrote a post every single day for, like, the first, I don't know, three or four months of the blog, and it was entirely due to that.
1: And do you think that that was you were gaining energy from the nutrition or you were feeling just less full and heavy? What do you you think it was about that?
0: I don't know. I mean, I think in the first, like, week, I doubt that I had any real energy gains, but I was definitely feeling less full and heavy. Like, that was a big part of it. And and that's not... I mean, that's, again, not a made-up thing. When your stomach feels heavy, which I think it often does from eating a lot of meat, Mm -hmm. uh, you are less tired. I mean, blood is in your stomach trying to digest it, and you... It's like that Thanksgiving thing. Everyone says tryptophan in in Turkey makes you tired. If you eat potato chips that much that you were that full you'd be pretty tired too (laughs) like I don't think tryptophan doesn't really I'm sure it has some small impact but it's that we stuff ourselves at Thanksgiving and then we get tired yeah anyway uh, that's a different topic altogether um so that's that's kind of like those are the general things that I had listed and wanted to talk about and when I think about time management that is the stuff that I think about and I realize none of that is necessarily novel but I guess had I heard that stuff ten years or yeah, five years ago, that would have been all new to me. So if you watch, you know, if you read Life Hacker and Zen Habits, and you learn about these things, then none of that will be new. But if you don't, then I would imagine there's a lot of new stuff in there that you could apply to uh, what we're gonna talk, talk about next, and that is fitness, or more specifically running, just because that's what we do. But Doug, what uh, since you're the guy who who ran for 400 whatever days in a row, <laughs> uh, why don't you start us off with you know, like, how do you how do you find the time to run? Like, just sure. down, down the list.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, once I had decided that, that running was a must, that this was something I was going to do, and I think that a lot of people who start training for a marathon or a half marathon or even their first 5K, um, when you really get focused on it, you've decided that it's something you really want to do, and um, no matter what, you're going to do it. And I had decided I was going to do this streak. And that, that came at a cost. It did mean that um, on days that I was really busy or I had plans in the evening, I couldn't run, you know, right after work like I normally do. So I had to train myself to wake up early and um, go, you know, on morning runs. And so probably two or three times a week, I would get up, you know, an hour earlier and figure out, you know, I had to start a routine of, you know, waking up, figuring out how, what I need to do before I can go for a morning run, which took some practice. You know, if you've never gone for a run that early in the morning, then then you don't necessarily know, you know, what you need to eat or, or drink or what you need to do, because sometimes you can't just throw in your clothes and go outside. Um, so that that, I mean, that was a big thing that that shifted for me. If I knew I had plans in the evening, then I would have to run in the morning. And that, it was great. I actually really enjoyed that morning, those morning runs, and um, they, you know, most of the time they started my day off much better than I would have if I had slept in.
0: Did you have to do any like tricks to get yourself to actually run in the morning? Because I'm not ever successful at that. I had one good winter when I actually did it, but for the most part, I f- fail at that. But I've heard people say there are like decent little, you know, tricks you can do. Did you do anything like that, like sleep in your running clothes or any of those <laughs> weird things?
1: No, you know, and I think it was because I knew that I couldn't. Um, you know, I couldn't skip the run. Like say if I had plans to go to happy hour after work, um, you know, I knew I wasn't going to come home after happy hour and go for a run, but I really right. wanted to go to happy hour. <laughs> so the, right. my I would reward myself with a baseball game or, um, or a happy hour or something like that after work. Uh, so no, I didn't, I didn't necessarily need any tricks, but it did take me a while to figure out, you know, I needed at least 15 minutes to wake up and I would rarely eat anything, but. I would have to drink a few bu- or through glasses of water and um, and you just kind of wake up before I could run or I would ne- or I would run the entire time half asleep.
0: Right, right. So no, uh, like alarm clock on the other side of the room or anything or you have to get up and do it.
1: <laughs> no, no, I didn't have None to do that. that. I'm no. disappointed. I, I, hope, I thought
0: you might have some sort of little trick that would make it easy for me to do. Well, <laughs> well
1: <laughs> no, sorry. That's what? All right. <laughs> Wake up, uh, wake up your dog, and then the dog won't go back to sleep. Maybe, maybe that'll help. Right. Or if you have kids, they do that too. Yeah, yeah. They're great. Set the alarm. Set the alarm clock in in Holden's room.
0: I've thought about that. I actually thought about like making like a time bomb type thing. Like put the alarm (laughs) in his room, and then I have like so it's two alarms. One goes in his room just inside the door, so I can reach in and get it quietly, and then I have my own that goes off like five minutes before that, and that way I know I have to go get this thing out of his room before you wake him up before off. it goes off yeah so it'll be like a little bomb type that's thing. smart that's a good trick that's a good yeah trick. i never tried it but it seemed like a good idea yeah i mean if i had i guess
1: i could always turn off my alarm but if i was snoozing cuz i already wake up a good 45 minutes to an hour before katie does mm-hmm. and um, if i if it was 2 hours and i was snoozing for a while she would have not been happy with me so i mean there's kind right. of that that's social true. pressure that's true um, you know there
0: all right good so you getting up in the morning Uh, What else?
1: You know, I I think that one thing that is important, one thing that I found important uh, when training for something, when training for a race um, in particular, is creating, you know, being efficient with your runs. And I know that not everyone is a runner because they want to race or because they're training or trying to get faster. But if, you know, if I know that I only have a half an hour, um, your options are to not go for a run because, you know a 3 mile run might not do that much for your training plan or or whatever or you can you know do an efficient workout you can do a speed workout you can run hills you can do something that's more bang for your buck right and and i think that i think that having a few of those workouts available to you that you know and you're you're, you're comfortable with when you're in a time crunch and just going out and hammering out those is a lot better than skipping your workout, skipping your workout altogether
0: right that's so right and there are, and there are plans Plenty of plans actually now that are designed with that kind of thing in mind. And they actually say it's beneficial and that they are have you running less or running workouts like that because they are better for you as a marathoner or a half marathoner. But the nice you know, added bonus is that they take maybe half or two thirds the amount of time of other training plans do. So there's like the uh the run less, run faster plan is one of them. Right. The Hansen Brothers or run- runners world, they have some low mileage training plans. And so, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's, and like, my 100 miler, I did the plan in Brian Powell's book that peaks at 50 miles per week. So, you can, if you look hard enough, you can find, you know, pretty much a plan for any distance you want that has, I mean, not, maybe not any mileage you want, you know, like, I wouldn't recommend a, well, you know, I was going to say that I wouldn't recommend a 100 miler plan with, with, I don't know, 20 miles a week on it, but apparently that's what the CrossFit endurance people do. They do 800 meter sprints and then. The longest they ever run is is twelve miles. I haven't really heard of people having success with that. I mean, I I read that they did, but I don't I don't know that that's really true. But
1: right, I think that that's that's a different topic. But <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, but the point is, you know, if you're efficient and and it's the same it's the same thing that we were talking about of what's important and what's not. You know, if if you're if if you're cutting out the stuff that's not important, you're going to save time. And if you're efficient in your workout, you're going to save time to do other things that you have to do. Right,
0: right. Also on the topic of running. Something that I do that not a lot of people – well, I guess some people don't, but I really like listening to audiobooks, uh, sometimes podcasts while I'm running. That's something that I've always – like I'm just a big reader and I like reading and I like to try to read for an hour a day. But if I can actually do that during my – like when I was training for the 100 and I was having to do a seven-mile run three or four days a week and then when I was really getting up to like, I don't know, the 30-mile runs on the weekend and stuff like that. And by the way, that plan, even though it supposedly peaks at 50 miles, there were still several, like, 60-mile weeks. So I don't know why that's not called the peak, but <laughs> for whatever reason, it's not. Um, but anyway, like, I don't know. If, so I can I – mean, I talked earlier about not multitasking. Like, for the most part, I think multitasking is not a great idea. It's not great for our brains to be, like, driving and on the phone and also trying to eat. I just think that it's weird, aside from being dangerous, but – like if I'm writing a blog post or trying to read something then I don't want to also be listening to something at the same time, because especially if it's words like an audiobook. like to me that is, that is becomes far less efficient. Right. And it would take me far longer than it would to do those two things separately. If I try to do them together, but something like running where you don't really need your mind to be that engaged. If, if mm-hmm. that's not one of the reasons you're running and for some people that might be like, I know there are people who, who meditate while they run or use running as their time to be creative or like to totally unwind and, think through problems or whatever, if that's you, then listening to audiobooks is not a good use of your time on your run. I, on the other hand, just start to get really bored when I run. And if I can actually look forward to listening to an audiobook or a podcast that makes me laugh that I really struggle to fit in otherwise, Like I just, you know, I, I would never sit there and listen to a podcast and do nothing. No one, no one would. But something like running or driving to me is is a great use of time to, to do that sort of thing, especially if having that audiobook or podcast or even music, if that actually makes you look forward to your run so that you actually go do it. Right. Which, which in many times, like I'm, I'm the type of runner who does not, I don't really love running for its own sake. Like I have, I have a lot of trouble if I don't have a big race on the horizon, I'm not very good at getting myself to go out and train. So, if I have an audiobook and I know that like this is my chance, because I have two kids, it's very noisy in the house, there's not a lot of downtime for that sort of thing. So if I know it's my chance to go finally get in a good solid hour of listening to something that I'm really excited about, that's that's all the motivation to run that I need. And I suppose I could just go out for a drive or go stand still and listen to it, but uh, that might not go over so well <laughs> <laughs> on the home front. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, you know, that multitasking is... Is something that um, you know can really help out if, if as long as it's not like you said, um, dangerous or unproductive because you're listening to the news and trying to write an email or something like that. Yeah. But, but you know, one thing that I like to do is is commute running or, or on the bike too. I, I I do it and I turn my commute into a workout, um, and I do this I do this fairly regularly. where, where I will if I'm running then. I I will usually take the bus to work, which takes about 25 minutes or so, and and I'm lucky enough to have public transportation available to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then I'll run home. So instead of wasting that 25 minutes on the bus on the way home, you know I'm getting in a workout. And and if I need to, I'm only two miles away from work, so I'll add on some, you know, some miles to get a good workout in. But Right, you know, but I'm still taking advantage of that time that would have been wasted sitting on the bus, sure,
0: yeah, and what about showering, Doug? How do you do that?
1: Well I'm good about or i or I try not to run to work, so I'm not sweaty when I get to work, although I do bike to work fairly regularly, and I will just bring a change of clothes, I'll bring a towel um I don't have showers available at work, but I can bring a towel that um you know a small hand towel that I'll wet and Right. You know, go into the stall and, and wipe myself off a little bit, you know, clean yep. myself up, so.
0: Sure. Um, This is very similar to the reason I don't run trails anymore, or almost never do. It's not that I don't like trail running. It's just that, to me, that is not a really efficient use of my workout time because mm. it, for most people, and probably not everyone, but, or certainly not everyone, but for most people, it's going to take some amount of time to actually get to a trail from your house. So, like, for me, that's probably a 20-minute drive. Even in Asheville where there are lots of trails – It's a 20-minute drive to get to a decent trail and then 20 minutes back. So that's automatically 40 minutes added on, plus the fact that you run, say, 20% slower on trails. That's kind of the figure that gets thrown around. So if it's a 20-mile run and it's going to be taking me, I don't know, three hours, to add 20% onto that is, what, 0.6 hours? So uh, 36 extra minutes onto my run. So that's hard like if i'm you know to get out for a 20 mile run is is something that is tough for me anyway with two kids around right something i feel bad about like leaving my wife alone with kids for that long not that she can't handle it because she does every day basically but it's just something like you know it feels somewhat selfish to me to go to a trail and then add an additional hour and a half onto that whole workout
1: right so yeah well i think that just to now totally bash when trails a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, one approach that I take to not so much the commute to the trail, but if I'm running trails, I'll often, unless I'm training for something, I'll often run for time. And you know, if I would have right. run an hour on the road, then I'll run an hour on the trail, even if it's a mile or two less.
0: Yeah, and I think that's in general is a pretty safe thing to do as far as training programs go. I mean, I I always like to get that longest run in the actual miles that you're supposed to get it in. But right. I think, I think that's, there's nothing wrong with that because you are, you're still working for the same amount of time, all kinds of other benefits to trail running. And yeah, not to hate on trail running, cause I think it's great. And I think it's better for you than road running in many, many ways. Me as a, someone who I said, you know, is not like, I don't go out for a run and just think the whole time how much I love running and I'm like in touch with my body and nature and all that. There sure. are many people who, who are though, and like, they love running the trails and roads just does not do it for them. For someone like that it would be a mistake to, to stop running trails just because it's a little bit quicker. But right. but for me it works.
1: Yeah, no, and, and I think I'm more I'm more in line with the you know, I, I get way more out of a run on, on a trail in the woods than I would on the road, so it's worth the commute, you know. Right. And it's typically not too long for me, but sometimes, you know, if I'm driving out to a a mm-hmm. different trail or something like that, you know, it's a long commute. But
0: Yep. Good. So anything else with running Um, oh yeah, I want to talk about my plan for running on the book tour, because that's going to be very, you know, my days will be filled with long drives, there are lots of four and six and eight hour drives in this thing, uh, which is a really long time, I actually don't mind driving at least once or twice, I don't know about many days in a row, but for the same reason that I like listening to audiobooks and things like that while I'm running, I like to do it while I'm driving, so I'm not so worried about that, Uh, but running is something that I have I have thought about a little bit because I think you probably know this, Doug, but I'm I really want to run a sub three hour marathon in two thousand fourteen. That's like my big running goal now that the hundred miler is out of the way and I uh-huh. feel like I want to get back to marathon running, train to run fast again, and uh, you know, basically be going for time rather than see how far I can run. Right. So I don't want to lose all this hundred mile base that I built up from the hundred miler training because I just feel like it's it's the biggest you know, the best base I've ever had even though 50 miles a week is not that much i did it really consistently for six months or so so i don't want to lose that and i've gotten i've got a whole lot of runs like a lot of these these events in the book tour are at running stores where some of them are like four and five and six mile runs
1: hmm.
0: so i'm actually you know that will be in kind of automatic way that keeps me running it's not that those are going to be fantastic workouts because i'm going to be talking to people the whole time
1: right and i'm but sure they'll be pretty slow
0: they will, but that's kind of okay with me because that's that's how my hundred mileer training was. It was just all long, slow mm-hmm. miles, and just getting those miles in will be great. There are a couple spots where like I need to run twice in a day for just because there happen to be two events. So there there are different things like that. Uh, so I don't anticipate it being a problem like getting into a rut with not running at all. The question is is will I on the days when that's not planned when when it's like at a restaurant or a bookstore, will I still be able to go do my run and it's going to be tough because you know, this going to require all different leaving times from the hotel. And sometimes I'll be leaving the night before and you know, I sure. feel like certain times it's going to work. Other times it's not. So I, I don't have a great plan for that right now, but I'm hoping that three or four, maybe five runs a week at running stores with people will, will be enough just to kind of maintain a base and then maybe do some long ones on the weekend. I don't really know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think
1: that um, I've always found that running when I was, traveling or you know you need even on vacation but more so when I'm traveling for work or something like that is always a great way I like it it's a great way to see the city it's a great way to feel more connected get out of the hotel and not just go to the conference that you're going to or in your case you know the event and then go straight back to the hotel you know it's a great way to kind of get out and see things and a lot of cities have oh I was just gonna say a lot of cities have you know great rivers or you know, things that you can run on, run along that are just, I don't know, really nice ways to do something a little different.
0: Right. I did not think of that. I've I've thought about I'm sort of stressed about that. I'm going to be, I have this opportunity to see so many great cities in throughout the entire country. I mean, I'm not going to every state by any means, but I'm going all the way across the country and back and hitting as much as I can. So I was kind of stressed that like for the most part, there's an event each day. There, I mean, there are some off days built in, but not many. So for the most part, it's it's get to a city, do an event, and then either leave immediately for the next city or stay the night and leave the next morning for the next city. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of time to see the cities. And I was kind of concerned. I was thinking about it more as like, I don't know. To me, it's like going to going out to restaurants or like the you know the the strip of bars and just kind of checking out that scene. Right. That's like seeing a city, but I think that could be really good for me—is seeing the city by, you know, thinking of, of a run as as seeing the city, and and that's a much more wholesome way too than <laughs> going to the bars and getting drunk. Well, you know, maybe you can do both. <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, I don't think I'll be getting drunk, but uh, I I do plan on, you know, for for the purposes of uh, connecting with readers, I think it's possible that I will have a drink or two on the tour.
1: Check out some of the local brew pubs. Exactly,
0: yeah. So, anyway, um, I guess that's kind of all for running. I mean, I'm, I really, I think we could find many more examples of how we fit it in. I mean, there's there obvious ones like having a jogging stroller if you are a parent, and I've right. tried that. I, I have trouble getting into it. It's just like, it's strange, I mean, how, how my mind works, how everyone's mind works, that to me, I don't mind an audiobook messing with my run. And I don't mind skipping the trail to do road running because I don't want to put that extra time in. But like pushing the jogging stroller to me just kills the entire run. Like I feel like my form <laughs> is all weird and I wonder huh. if I'm getting the benefits out of it. Even though it's you actually get a little harder workout, especially yeah. when it's, uh it's I don't know. It's like I guess if your kids old enough that you can kind of connect with them and talk to them and things, it could be kind of fun. But for me it just felt like this burden. Not not the child, but the uh, <laughs> but pushing this big thing it just, it just took that – it just me running that much harder and less enjoyable than ordinarily it would be. So I, that has never worked for me, but I know plenty of people who do that.
1: Uh, Interesting. I've obviously never done it and I don't have any kids, but have you found that your that your kids, um, especially the older one, um, enjoys it or, or uh, do they did, not like it?
0: We haven't done it in probably a year now, but he liked it before. Yeah, I mean he thought it was cool, and, and I think that's partly why he really is into running now. At mm-hmm. least I mean not he doesn't do it, but he, he jogs around the house and says he's running. Right. So I I don't know. I think I think part of that is that he was on with me on those and I think he enjoyed it for that. But um I don't know. So that's that's an obvious thing, and I'm sure there are many, many more, but in the interest of time we will go on to the other section, which was nutrition, which is kind of the other uh focus of the blog besides fitness. We have fitness and eating basically. Mm hmm. Um so yeah, I mean I guess the big objection or often the objection to going vegetarian or vegan, one of the objections, is that it's really hard to eat and that you have to cook all your own food and it takes a lot of time, which it does. Uh, do not deny that, but I think I think that's also the benefit is that – or at least for me, it has made me plan meals ahead of time and made me cook pretty much every single meal I eat. There are exceptions. Now that we're in Asheville, and there are more options for us to get food out, but – where we used to live, it was like you. We basically had to cook every meal. There was just almost nothing that we could eat and still be following the rules of a vegetarian diet, mm-hmm. uh, unless it was like total, total processed junk, and we didn't want to do that. Right. So I think I think the fact that it does take more time is is not a really bad thing. Like I don't think I don't most people I don't think uh, are you know it, it's not a bad thing for them to spend more time on their food. But well, what are your uh, tips? If you're working
1: a long day, etc, you have um, obligations with your children and your family, you know how do you what are your tips for planning meals throughout the week? And-
0: right. so we when things are going well and firing on all, on all cylinders, we are really good at meal planning and we do it once a week and we go shop for the entire week and like plan maybe to eat out or get takeout one night a week sometimes. But still, it's buying like six meals worth of food at one grocery store trip. And when you do that, it's tremendous time saving over going every single day, which is right. the habit that we fall into when things get stressful, which is really exactly when we need that the least, uh, like is to be going to the grocery store every single day when I'm trying to plan this book tour and my wife's with the kids all day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But that's unfortunately how it happens. So, And that's the same exact thing with like, like I said that running and, med- and meditation are these things where you just invest this little amount of time. And you get benefits that actually create more time. the exact same thing with meal planning and and paying in advance. So what I've tried to do since we've had two kids, and really, honestly, since we've had two kids, which is about four months ago, uh, we have not gotten totally on track with this. But as much as I can, if I'm going to the store to grab one meal's worth of food or picking it up on the way back from whatever, a coffee shop or wherever I went to work for the day. I almost always try to think what is a second meal that I know we have a few ingredients for that I can pick up a few things here for so that we actually won't have to go tomorrow either. So little tricks like that are good. Um, we have a lot of like staple meals that we do just because of the way we eat. We eat in a very, very simple way recently, and we find all kinds of different ways to eat rice and lentils or rice and beans. And with whatever vegetable we have left over from the previous night or the previous week, we find a way to make something good out of that. And we've cooked so many different meals now because we, for the most part, we don't really repeat a lot of meals. We just kind of always try new things except for like very few that we find and we're like, wow, that would be a perfect meal to modify or that was great because it took us only 10 minutes to throw together and we did it with stuff that we already had. Mm -hmm. So we like hang on to those and keep a little list of them. So when we're kind of in a pinch, we can refer to those and for the most part, we'll have them at home. That's not like, you know. I don't think that's a great way to eat. Like I think, you've got to have fresh vegetables in your food most of the time and those kind of nights where it's like totally we're winging it and we don't have anything you know it's often stuff from the pantry which right. is not not particularly healthy but I think it's still not bad but anyway I mean we've just gotten good at that uh, we can I mean sometimes we do like we'll make a bunch of grains like if we're making rice we'll make extra and we'll freeze it or quinoa works well you can freeze like cup size portions of it -hmm. Same with pancakes. My wife makes these really healthy pancakes for our son because that's about all he'll eat for breakfast, and she just makes a humongous batch so we can throw them in the toaster each morning and he can eat them that way. So uh, you know, same. It's the principles of every other time management strategy, which is which is batching, as instead of doing things, you know, having to set up and do all the all the routine stuff over and over. You know, instead of just doing one large batch.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, I think that um, you know one trick that we
1: do a lot is. We'll make, if we do have time to cook, we'll double the recipe and make a whole bunch of soup or a whole bunch of pasta sauce that then we can just freeze and thaw and, you know, and cook when we need to. We have a burrito meal that we found online, a way to kind of individually wrap and freeze them so that they're great. You know, lunches or dinners, something that you stow in the toaster oven or the oven and heat them up and or right. a microwave, I guess. You know things like that that there you can make like ten of, and they take an hour or so to make. But then you have ten burritos or, or enough, <laughs> right. you know, enough soup for for three or four meals.
0: Yeah, and this. Is, I mean, this is like I wish I had more really, I don't know, practical, immediately, immediately useful tips for this because I feel like this is such an important thing. Like a lot of people eat healthy when they plan to do so, but they run out of time so often like maybe 3 times a week or more and end up eating you know whatever total junk that that even if they are vegan or vegetarian are not proud of eating because they right. they went ahead and went for the easy quick option of ordering some sort of you know like thai food takeout that's that's for the most part probably not much good in there for you right but you end up doing it because you're out of time and it's so like, delicious. it's a, it is delicious and i have no problem <laughs> with doing that a few times a month maybe but yeah you know it's i think the reason my health has improved, at least in, in my, the way I perceive it, I don't, I don't have proof of this, I guess, but, uh, the reason my health has, perf- has improved a lot is be- from going vegetarian and then vegan is really because of this exact thing that I don't, I don't really have the option of, of the easy way out, you know, just eat junk food for this meal. There are, I mean, yes, of course there are vegan junk food options, but for whatever reason, we don't buy those things very much. So it's just like, We don't have them in the house. So the big benefit has come from having to plan for things, having to – if you don't have any food in the house, having to come up with some way to put a healthy meal on the table. And I think it's that more than like – more than the fact that we just don't eat meat now. Like I don't think that's in particular what has made us healthy. It's that doing – eating this diet has been the one that has made us eat the most whole foods and just not eat junk food for those three or four meals that, that kind of slide every week for people.
1: Right. And I think that goes back to the important and urgent thing is it, when you make that decision to go vegan or or eat healthy um you know you're making you making that an important part of your day yeah. and if it means cooking you know spending a little more time in the kitchen then that's okay because you're you're turning that into an important um, part of your life
0: sure and things that that require planning by definition are not urgent so if you are actually doing planning of meals then you are doing the important thing of eating healthy but you are not doing the urgent part of having to find a meal meal immediately at the last and, minute and right yeah. now yeah and that's that's and you can get into the i guess the the urgent but not important box of eating would be the the fast food or the takeout the, the food that's not good for you but that does satisfy the need of needing something immediately right all right so uh any others i mean leftovers is an obvious one like we always cook enough so that we have have leftovers the next day like almost without fail our lunch the next day is the previous night's dinner uh, heated up in a pan because we thanks to your influence Doug went microwave free about maybe a year ago or so
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and um other than that I'm trying to think what other little tips and tricks are there
1: well do you uh, I'm curious and maybe they're not old enough but do you use cooking as spending time with kids do you
0: we do that some with Holden, some. yes. Yeah. I wouldn't say I – mean, I don't know. I don't have a – often often we spend time with kids while we cook because that's the only way the cooking will get done without <laughs> without something you know going horribly wrong in the house. Right. Up. So we do that as a way to occupy a kid while we cook. But right. uh, I don't think of it often as, as that, but it is that. I mean I know when – a lot of times when I'm working, Aaron and Holden will make some sort of uh, – who knows what? Some sort of vegan cookies or something, but mm-hmm. – and yeah. that, of course it's not the healthiest thing but sometimes it is. Well, yeah, I mean I think that it.
1: I imagine and again, you know, I I have no experience yeah. with this but I imagine myself kind of cooking with my kids and having them be more connected with their food and it being a good bonding time. And whether yeah. in reality that's that's going to happen, I have no idea but um you know, I think that there's a lot of potential there.
0: No, I think it will. And I think our son definitely appreciates like food and where it comes from because we have a garden. And he he won't eat a, ve- a vegetable until we tell him it came from our garden, and then like he knows <laughs> we grew it, and then he just eats it like it's not gross anymore, which I think <laughs> is cool. Like that's that's really neat, and and in many ways I'm not that different from that. Like peas like peas are disgusting to me, but mm-hmm. if I if I knew we grew them and I pulled them out of the ground myself, then all of a sudden it seems totally like a great thing to eat. Hmm. So I don't know. Interesting. Uh, another thing that we didn't think of too much is. Or that sorry that we didn't mention before, but that is kind of like the the way of standardizing something. <clears throat> like I think variety in diet is is really important. I don't think you should eat the same foods every single day. Uh, I I know people do, and some people do it with good results too. And I think you have to if you're going to do that, you need to either copy some sort of you know historical civilization that has thrived on a diet that that is pretty much the same foods every single day. Because you know, if, if they thrived on it and survived for years and years, then you know it's a decent right. diet that, that will sustain you. But if you're not going to do that, then I think what you need to do is either plan it like meticulously. And I don't even think that's a good option because I think we don't really know necessarily what our bodies need. And we, we can go by guidelines and things like that. But eating a wide variety of food kind of safeguards you against deficiency because you're getting so many different types of foods and so many different nutrients and vitamins that – it's very likely that you would be become deficient in one just because you're, you're so often eating so many different ones. Uh, but within that sort of framework of eating a variety of foods, if you can actually standardize something about it, then I think you can save a lot of time that way. And that's why smoothie is such a big thing for us, like why for breakfast, I like that I don't ever have to think about breakfast and I don't have to spend ever more than five minutes putting it together but I can still get a variety of foods by just changing out the ingredients in that smoothie formula that that's on the site,
1: sure so and that's super quick and easy if you invest in a a nice blender, you know then yeah, exactly then it's it's no problem to to make those smoothies, and that's super quick and a great tool, yeah, yep,
0: and it took an investment of learning how to do it because for for actually years, I kept saying I want to start drinking smoothies, but I don't really know how to do it i don't I haven't found a good recipe and I don't want to mess. I don't. You know, I don't want to make a bunch of bad smoothies first. So it just took a while of getting, just fooling around with it and making a bunch of bad ones, basically. <laughs> but, and and like you said, the blender investment. Like we spent, I don't know, four hundred fifty dollars on our Blendtec, but right. we have twenty three hundred spins on it in two years, and it, like it's totally been worth it. So. It does it keep count. Yeah, which is a great feature.
1: Oh, that's cool. I don't. We have a. We just got a Vitamix for uh, the wet or as a wedding gift, and I don't it doesn't have no, the counter on it.
0: Man, see, uh. there's no more reason. The Blendtec should do that instead of their little will it blend where they blend iPhones and golf balls. They should just, they <laughs> count. <laughs> just a count. I think. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So besides that, oh well, yeah, the one more thing I wanted to mention was actually about meal planning. I have a post from last year called like the Dr. Seuss Guide to Meal Planning or something like that. And the idea was was that – okay, so here's here's the problem that, that I think that post solved in some way, or at least our approach has solved it and the post outlined how we did. Um, the problem is we would sit down – this is when we were doing really well, and we're planning meals, say, on a Saturday or Sunday, and we're planning for the week. You can have 25 cookbooks in your house and feel like you have no idea what to make and how are you possibly going to plan six meals Because you have so many different choices and you don't really even know where to start. And like you can look through a cookbook and leaf through and nothing seems that good. So you just pick up the next one. And it could take two or three hours if you're not focused. So what we realized, we started planning meals really well if we actually had leftovers in the fridge from the previous week. So we could say, okay, what recipes do we know that have eggplant in them? Or like if eggplant was in our fridge. Or look in the index of a cookbook and find the eggplant recipes and then just choose from those. And it was so easy then. To, once you once you have this little limitation on you, it's so much easier just to pick within that parameter. Whereas if you have just this empty canvas, you can kind of sit there and not really know what to do with it.
1: Right.
0: And the reason it was the Doctor Seuss guide to meal planning was because apparently he wrote, uh, I forget which book it was, with with like a hundred words or something. And then someone challenged him, some his publisher or somebody said. I bet you can't do a, word, a book with 50 words only and no more. And like repeated words are fine, but, but 50 different words. And then he wrote Green Eggs and Ham under that challenge, which ended up being one of his best ones. And I mean, that's, that's a very common thing among artist types that they'll say, you can't, like that's why like you have like artists who do their work on business cards. Like that's their thing is they draw on the back of business cards. Hugh McLeod is, is the famous example of that. But there are a lot of artists who have like their own unique little, thing that is their own shtick or their own way of doing stuff. And the reason it works is because it puts that limitation on them, so they get used to that little framework, and then their creativity really flows within that framework because they're not, it's not like they just have this big writer's block type issue where there's so much you could do that they can't ever get started. Right, totally. So so with what we said was what you could do is basically have like you could have a framework that you are going to plan meals with every single week, and it might be that you're going to eat Italian food on Monday night, and you're going to eat Indian food on Tuesday night, and you're going to eat, if, you, if you're if you not anti-soy, then you're going to do a tofu meal on Wednesday night, and they don't even have to be all, like you know, it doesn't have to be all a certain type of ethnic food or a certain ingredient, but if you just pick that and say, yeah, I could do this for a few weeks, like this kind of framework, then all of a sudden your meal planning becomes so much easier, because each, for the five or six meals that you're planning each week, you have... An instruction or a guideline right away that that helps you helps focus you rather than just kind of leave you with all these cookbooks and wondering where to go.
1: Right, and kind of related, I find that if if I'm if I'm meal planning with cookbooks, then I get totally overwhelmed, like you said, um, because. Uh, you know if i'm trying to if i'm trying to do 5 distinct meals all from cookbooks you know that's just not going to happen mm-hmm. but if i say if i say i'm going to do one or two meals i'm going to do tuesday and thursday that are going to be new i'm going to use recipe from a cookbook then that's way more manageable than trying to plan all week with just a bunch of cookbooks in front of me so right. you know i'll i will say that i'm going to do my staples on monday, wednesday and friday and on tuesday and thursday you know i'm going to try something new
0: yep yep and and i think a great you know, add on to that would be when you do find meals that that could become your staples, for the reason for this conversation because they're really fast and turned out well. Right. Write them down. Like keep a list on your iPhone yeah. or wherever of of the quick meals that if you are driving home in a pinch and you know that you've got to get dinner got got to get dinner on the table and it has to be quick, not only in shopping for it but once you get home keep it on your iPhone so that you can get it or put it in Google Docs or whatever so you can get it while you're at the grocery store or on the way home and just go make it. I mean, right. like even put the ingredients in that little list if, that, if you need mm-hmm. to put them in there. But I think that it's such a simple tool that, that we do and not, not that many people do, at least that I right. know of.
1: Yeah, but... no, we, do, we have a Google Doc where we do the same thing. And even better is when those um, those simple meals are easily variable, if that makes sense. Right. Um, you know, if, you, if it's like a... a burrito or Mexican or something like that where you can use any sort of leftover vegetable that you have, uh, right. you know, in your fridge, you know, it doesn't have to be a set 10 ingredients. It can just be three ingredients and then you add a couple others that whatever you have.
0: Yeah, sort of like a formula. Oh, formula. So if only yeah. there were like a pre-order bonus thing you could do, where if you <laughs> ordered a book, you would get a whole ebook full of formula recipes. That would just be perfect, wouldn't it?
1: Wow. Yeah. And somebody it, should really do it, that.
0: They should. <laughs> They should. Oh wait, I think you. I think you did. Yes. Refer back to the beginning of this podcast, please. I'd like to hear that that advertisement. All right. Uh, I don't think we have too much else, and I think we've gone plenty long enough here, Doug. Do you have any more meal tips before we wrap things up? No. You know, I don't.
1: I did kind of. I did think of. I. You posted something on Facebook a few weeks ago about this guy who was like drinking all of his meals.
0: Oh yeah. The uh, soy green guy. Yeah, Soylent.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be efficient. I don't know if it's oh, very it would healthy. Should be efficient.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't. I, I tend to think that is not healthy at all. Uh, <laughs> not because it's not a whole food. I mean, I think I don't know. In theory, in theory, if someone could create the perfect combination of things, but then it, it might work. I don't know. But the fact that it's not whole food is is not great because I think the body's not going to necessarily absorb the nutrients very well. Right. And the other problem with it uh, is that uh, you know we don't we don't know what we don't know about nutrition. Like we don't really know how different nutrients and vitamins interact within our bodies. Uh, in Doctor T Colin Campbell's book Whole, he has like a, a big diagram of I, I don't know if it's from some sort of medical journal or something, but it was just kind of how our body basically the whole, this flow chart of how our body processes all the known vitamins and minerals and the interactions and things between them and the the Oh, was just like it was this overwhelming, unbelievably complex thing that even if it is right, it's so complex that it just—it's not even useful. Right. And I just think there's so much beyond that, like from the sort of holistic point of view of like you know that food has a food that we are built to to thrive on. Be it an apple or whatever else that's present in our environment has so many things in it that work together and that our body has evolved to use in conjunction, like with the other things in there so like if you take the omega-3s out of whatever whatever has omega-3 wal- walnuts or whatever else go to omega-3s and put them in something else or manufacture them if that's even possible and put them in something else like they just don't get absorbed because they're not in a whole food state and the, the other things there that are required to absorb it aren't present so to me that that idea just seems like a disaster for that reason <laughs> if that's all you're doing like I think if you were using that for assuming it like tastes good, which I don't really know if it does or not, but it seems like that wouldn't be a horrible thing to have like in a pinch.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: they already have that stuff. I mean it's called right. like, there's like medical food that is that is liquid that they've been around for years and they're and go in vitamin shop and there's all kinds of liquid meal replacement drinks if you want.
1: Right, right.
0: So I don't know. I mean I think I think it'd have a purpose then, but I think trying to base your entire diet on it just seems like a horrible idea. Yeah. I could be proven wrong, I mean I don't know. But well.
1: I mean, you know, maybe the moral or lesson from that is efficiency is great and it's uh, obviously a good way to save time, but if it's it comes at a cost of of not really getting what you need.
0: Right, which which unfortunately our our entire food culture has gone that route. Basically, I mean, you know, we try to come up with we say eat multivitamins so that you get all the vitamins you need and then you can just eat whatever you else, you know, whatever else you want to the rest of the day. And and then it comes out that multivitamins cause cancer, certain ones, because too much vitamin A does whatever. I mean, every, everything else, where where they're, you know, fortifying foods with, with ingredients that don't belong in there. And mm-hmm. Right. All kinds of, like, little shortcuts, basically, to nutrition that, that involve something that's faster or more convenient or tastes better than eating whole foods. Uh, and that has not worked well in the nutrition realm, it seems. Just, yeah,
1: or the fitness realm, if you, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess some people... CrossFit people argue differently, but um, you know, I mean, I think that, that that there's similar parallels between nutrition and the fitness.
0: Yeah, I mean, even what CrossFit people. Do, I don't really even know what you're referring to about them arguing differently, but even to me, CrossFit represents in many ways uh, a form of. And I, I'm not saying CrossFit's good or bad. I don't. I haven't looked into it that much, but the movements they do. You know, no, no one in CrossFit is is doing an isolated bicep curl trying to build their bicep alone and not not have like the idea of isolating muscle groups is kind of ridiculous in itself because no lifts no functional movements like in regular life are isolated bicep curl movements <laughs>
1: right
0: or very very rarely are they like never would they say don't put your back into a bicep curl in real life because you, you you recruit the muscles that your body knows how to you know knows how to lift something
1: right
0: so i think crossfit has a lot of these really functional lifts rather than the bodybuilding or whatever idea of, of isolating muscle groups. So, I mean, to me that, that's sort of a whole food thing, you know, whole food parallel, the idea of using Mm. functional lists rather than isolating certain muscle groups, like isolating certain nutrients.
1: Yeah, I was arguing differently, but uh, we won't get into that. that's, (laughs) that's, That's a totally different thing. Good.
0: All right. So I think that's all, uh, not that much else to say. I mean, I will one more time mention the book just because this is like the crucial time for me that the first few weeks of a, of a book coming out, I, of course, sales matter over time. But if it's going to make a big splash, I mean, you know, the the time when that will happen is the beginning when, when everyone's buying it. And that's how it, whatever if it, it actually, by the way, I didn't mention this, but it has reached number one in Amazon on the uh, in the running and jogging category. It spent several days there and then dropped nice. off. And then I mentioned it again on the blog and it spent several more days up there at number one. Which which is just amazing. Like it's so cool to see it. Not not at all saying that it's a better book, but like to see it above Born to Run and all these other running books that I've read and just think are great. And and the reason they're so great or, or because they're so great, they very quickly replace mine at number one again. Like mine got there because of a <laughs> spike in traffic because I promoted to my email list and on the blog and everywhere else. But it's cool to just see that that with a strong spike you can get up ahead of those amazing books. And uh, so that was very cool. But Anyway, for it to get on things like that, you know that's going to happen in the beginning. And if it does happen a lot in the beginning, then there's a chance it will kind of go from there and catch on in some sense. So, anyway, the point is uh, I, am, I am pushing pre-orders of the book, or for this purpose of this podcast, orders during that first week of the book. So anything between now and October fourth, which is a Friday, uh, if you order it or buy it, just send me a copy of that receipt in some form or another, some form or another. At matt at com and I will hook you up with those bonuses. All that info is on nomadeathlete.com slash book-info. And uh, beyond that, I mean, I hope to see people out on the tour. I'm really, really looking forward to meeting people and connecting with them. Uh, I'm looking forward, Doug, to when you are there with us too. I mean, that, that will be even better. And actually, Matt Rusigno, I think the co-author, is very likely going to be there. And Susan, who is also a Nomade Athlete member, or I guess team member, writer, um, she's going to be out at some of the Arizona events. So it should be a lot of fun in that section and will be fun throughout. I think other than that, uh, I've got nothing. That's all. I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully I'll, you know, we'll get a podcast or two recorded out on the road. Like you said, Doug, and maybe in person we'll be, uh, even, even more amazing than we currently are as a, as a team. (laughs) I, uh, no doubt. (laughs) Can't really go anywhere but up, right? I mean, as far as, (laughs) yeah, <laughs>
1: all right. All right. Well, uh, it was fun, Matt, and hopefully, uh, I know I learned a few things, and hopefully, other people did as well. And uh, look forward to your seeing you soon in DC. All right.
0: Sounds good. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you all soon. Bye.